Give us your poor. Give us your tired and your huddled masses because it's time for a grain of truth. Please welcome David Ellis. Hello and welcome to Grain of Truth, the show which has the right to bear truth. Your grains of truth today. Uh, grumpy commuters frequently bored at Southern Cross. Oh, oh. Ah. <laughs> Because they can't get a seat, you see, because everyone's yeah. at Flinders Street. That's yeah. why it goes through the loop. <laughs> <laughs> it depends what route it is, because some go to. Uh, oh, that's so, true. Yeah. Should we have a lengthy discussion? Anyway, uh, <laughs> supermodels are beautiful people from Krypton. Uh, okay. <laughs> I love, I love the judgy audience. <laughs> <laughs> We've made. You them can do th- better, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> a bit disappointed. Uh, the man who grew vegetables in his plumbing. Suddenly sprang a leak. Homophones. <laughs> <laughs> and the, <laughs> the dolphin with a callous disregard for humanity was flippant. <laughs> oh, I'll pay that. Uh, uh, to introduce our panelists for this episode, so our resident scorekeepers, the Dolphins! Yes. From the Queensland Conservatorium, Griffith University, representing music, it's Matthew Hadraft. From the University of Tasmania, Launceston Campus, representing monsters, it's Scott McAteer. From Murdoch University, Perth Campus, representing the zoo, it's Michelle Nussie. And from the University of Melbourne, representing mathematics, it's Roland Lewis. The rules of Granite Truth are simple, and points are awarded to the panellists for their responses to ridiculously absurd questions, scenarios and topics. Whoever has the most points wins the coveted Grain of Truth prize, which this week is a John Hancock. Oh, yes. Who are you? And I don't mean the signature. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> the person. Got their exhumed corpse. <laughs> do you have a picture? Sorry? Do you have a picture? Uh, uh, I just want to know what we're playing for. Do, oh, okay. do we have yeah. to keep him as he is, or can we grind him up to make a powder? Do we have options? I, 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 imagine the, you know, I imagine you can give him a nice water feature. Yeah, porridge. Yeah, if we eat him, we'll get his strength. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's do that. And your ultimate a... signature. <laughs> <laughs> Should never have ordered those pies. What sort of superpower is that? <laughs> he has the power for the ultimate signature. Because the pen is mightier <laughs> than the sword. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. You know, when you, you know when you get a new pen and you're kind of signing your name and he accidentally causes a building to fall down yeah. because of it? Uh, <laughs> he was a menace. Be careful what you wish for. Now, before we begin the quiz, here's a small challenge for everybody. Can you name the grain of truth that connects all four of our panellists' topics? That's music, monsters, the zoo, and mathematics. And we'll come to the answer at the end. But I will give you a clue. Wing. That's your clue, wing. Uh, but we'll start with round one, which is called Right Said Ted. Each panellist must deliver a 90-second TED-style presentation relating to a theme. At 60 seconds, they'll hear this noise, and at the 90-second mark, they'll hear this noise, at which they must wrap up their talk. Whoever uses their special skills to present on the theme the best will get the points. The theme of this TED presentation is the United States of America. Nice. And we start with Matthew Hadgraft representing music, uh, talking about the topic of the United States of America. Matthew, your time starts 
now. Oh, thanks. Musicology is an exciting roller coaster of a thing, as you know. It's all, wow, such music, very knowledge. So I want to show with you. The knowledge I have this week is music of nations. So usually it reflects the nation. So English music sounds like the royal family. All Russian music sounds like poverty. All Korean music sounds like a pelican attacking a harp. But American music is the distinction because it's the one musical field where it created society rather than the other way around. So jazz music created black people and then rock and roll created teenagers and... Disco, of course, created the gay community, and Cabaret um, created Ham, which evolved into Bette Midler. So, the other interesting... No doubt you've heard the adage, if white bread could sing it, it'd sound like Olivia Newton-John. And you've also heard that money talks. Well, American music is the sound of money singing, fundamentally, you see. It's like American music is commerce, the opera, if all of the opera singers were a bit crap. So, case one, all music in America is referred to as hot. Hitherto, the only things referred to as hot were volcanoes, the stock market, and stolen goods. Number two, um, all musicians are ranked in merit of how many albums they're sold. How else do you justify Kanye West being called a musician? Honestly. And number three, Madonna. Um, So commercial is she that instead of using the traditional uh, treble clef here to score your music, use the dollar sign instead. So, American music is all just the sound of money. iTunes is its grand national bank, and Madonna's beginning to look like one of those old chooks you get at the IGA. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the aircraft! Um, of course, America is the land of music, particularly the land of musical theatre, uh, yes. Broadway. I'd like to ask yes. the panel if there's a particular uh, guilty pleasure show tune, or maybe not so guilty, I don't know, starting with Matt. Uh, is I there... desperately want to find a failed musical in the 60s where Mary Tyler Moore was to star, but her character ended up swearing so much that the show never made it through previews. I desperately want to find that. Is that an actual that. thing? It is a thing. Oh, wow. Mary Tyler Moore swearing like a trooper. <laughs> to song. How a magical, just, oh, yeah. my heart jumps. Uh, Scott, are, are, is there any uh, musicals that you are familiar with or, or, or even American stage productions of sorts? It's not an American musical, but I do have a, a guilt treasure. I, I do like Andrew Lloyd Webber songs. <laughs> Scott McAteer! I never thought I would hear you say that! Like the, the uh, I think it's the Movements of Love or something. Movements it's got, of Love? It's got like Tell Me on a Sunday. Aspects of Love? Aspects of Movements Love. Movements of Love is correct. <laughs> I think we're all getting a bit of a movement of love right now. <laughs> Don't tell anyone! <laughs> uh, what about you, Nuss? Uh, well, I used to dance a lot when I was younger, and so I... Like, and so we, we dance to, like, Aladdin and the Lion King and, uh-huh. and stuff like that. So I know those quite well and, and quite like them. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Lovely. Yeah. And uh, Roland, what about you, as a man of music and dance and such? Les Miserables. Yeah. <laughs> Anything from that, then yeah, you've got me, Dave. Right. <laughs> That's the lock to the key. Oh. We are a cool panel, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> what a bunch of cool dudes. <laughs> Single. <laughs> Oh, the best kind. Uh, well, our next, next speak on the topic of the United States of America is Scott McAteer, representing Monsters. Uh, Scott, your time starts now. I'm going to tell you about a particular American monster, which was called the Hodag, which was in Rhinelander in Wisconsin in 1893. It was attacking uh, various sort of people and animals that crept up into the wilderness, and so they hired American monster hunter Eugene Shepard to help them, and this is... His reflections on the event. Yeah, I met a lot of monsters. 
I met the Snellygaster and the Dewoo, the Glaucus, and the Hatchet Wielding Bunnyman of Fairfax County. Yep. But none compares to the Hodag. The Hodag was a monster with the head of a frog, the grinning face of a happy elephant, thick short legs with huge claws, the back of a dinosaur, and a long tail with spears on the end. It's a fascinating beast, the lack of which has never been seen before. So I killed it with dynamite. <laughs> but then, after the monster was dead, I heard a soft, mewling, grunting noise. I looked, and that poor Hodag had just been protecting his little baby Hodag. Now, rather than kill the baby Hodag, I got the help of some bear wrestlers to catch it. Uh, now, a lot of people wonder if these uh, were men who wrestled bears or bears who had learned to wrestle. <laughs> Tell you the truth, I'm not quite sure myself, and I met them. All I know is they're hairy and they don't often wear pants. <laughs> so... That didn't work. The Hodag ate the bear wrestlers. So I switched to plan B, which is always chloroform on the end of a stick. <laughs> and I caught the Hodag, and I took it to the town. And the town folks, they learned to love that baby Hodag. Yes, they all raised it together, polishing its scales, brushing its teeth, and once a year making a, making a cake out of one of the town children they didn't like. <laughs> Eventually... The Smithsonian heard about the whole dag, and they said that they wanted to find it and dissect it. Well, the town of Rhinelander decided to let that whole dag out back into the wilderness. And it remains there to this day. And the town of, in Wisconsin still remembers that monster that they learned to love. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go make a deal. Still ate a lot of children. <laughs> There was lots of go- there was children cakes. Children cakes. We still are for it. That's wonderful. Uh, monsters often appear in a lot of American action films or horror movies or so. Ooh, I was, you, uh, I was just saying, I was uh, reading about uh, Sharktopus three. Oh, Sharktopus versus Whale Wolf. <laughs> whale Wolf. Uh, uh, I'm not joking. This is what? serious business. Yeah. Are they the same size that yeah, they yeah, usually are? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's like a giant shark and a giant whale that's also a werewolf. Mm. Oh, oh, it's a werewolf, right? Yeah. I thought it was like a, wolf, like a wolf head, but this giant whale <laughs> it kind of back is. or something. Yeah, this yeah, tiny kind little of head. I, I does it drown? It just drowns. No, no, because it's a whale wolf. It's got like a... Con- I like the idea got that blowholes. I like the idea that the idea behind these movies is to portmanteau any anything. Uh, in fact, um, uh, uh, some New Zealand friends of mine have just recently directed and written uh, Go Shark Two, uh, which has just been released. You can actually uh, play it online, so I'm plugging that as well. I was, I was watching previews after I heard of the news about Sharktopus, and it was like I think Sharktopus Two was pterocuda, which is half pterodactyl, half barracuda. <laughs> Uh, and there was uh, Robo Croc, which <laughs> is uh, a crocodile, which is also a robot, and Zombievers. <laughs> and Scott, suck to be it sucked to be a shark if you were an actor, wouldn't it? And only be able to get these D movie parts. All these the time. They're roles. good roles. The uh, the sharks in uh, Sharknado got a lot of range, I think. And <laughs> I saw online too. There's better than shark, Tara Reed. Sharkalanch is about an ice <laughs> shark previously dormant who is awoken and threatens Ooh. a bikini contest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait a second, wait a second. Because that's the first thing you do. Pretty <laughs> well. That's the first thing on your list. Oh, I've been always asleep so long. So, oh, none of these. Bloody bikini <laughs> contest rubbish. Sorry, is it's this a cold. bikini contest? Won't have any of that. Is this a bikini contest on a glacier? Yes. Are they furry bikinis? <laughs> oh, can that I sounds watch... like a euphemism. I don't want to go into. <laughs> uh-huh. oh, 
Our next speaker is Michelle Nussi, representing the zoo, to present on the theme of the United States of America. Uh, Nussi, your time begins now. Thank you. Um, I'm going to tell you about an animal that we have at the zoo um, that comes from the Americas, so the North, Central and South America, and it's uh, the collared peccary. Now, the collared peccary, you've, if you've gone to the zoo before and seen an animal and gone, oh, I don't, didn't know that that was an animal, why is that pig wearing a coat? <laughs> then you've seen the collared peccaries. Um, uh, they are, and, and, and the reason I'm going to talk about them is because they look like, they look like spiky pigs, essentially. Um, and they don't, I don't know what's going on over there. They're still giggling at collared peccaries. I'm sorry. Fair enough. Sorry. Um, and anyway, so and basically they look like pigs. They are ungulates, so they have hooves. Um, and they have kind of spikes all over them. And they look like they're not like, kind of um, like rigid hair, I suppose. Um, they don't look like – they just look like they're pigs, but they're actually quite distantly related. The point is they're actually very dangerous. We have a, a – a, um, at the zoo – stay with me. At the zoo we have a uh, – like a – category system to work out how dangerous things, or so we know how dangerous things are. So like one is like tigers and, and lions and bears and four is like a tree frog <laughs> or like a seagull. Um, and collared peccaries are, are one. They're just wow. as, yeah, they're just as dangerous as a, um, a tiger or a, a lion. And one of the reasons is they have self-sharpening teeth. <gasps> so they have, the, now I've got the your attention. Like, <laughs> they've got like really sh- long canines and every time they open and close their mouths, they sharpen against each other, just like a kitchen knife. Yeah, and if you want to see a really cool video, go to the YouTube and look up Collery, uh, Collery, Peccary versus Jaguar. There's a collared peccary that's protecting her young because they're very tenacious. Um, she's protecting her young. She knows that if she goes back to where her young are, the jaguar will get them. And if she, she basically will give her life for her young. But she causes such a problem that the jaguar, two jaguars end up giving up. Rather than, yeah, they can't get her. It's really good. Coloured peccaries. Ladies and gentlemen, Michelle Nussi. That's, that would be a type of animal. That we can't make up. Yeah. No, make fun of their name. <laughs> really I did go, yeah. but I just want to say that, like, I just want to explain why I was giggling, is because I just imagined that someone, uh, a casting director, tried to hire Colin Mockery and <laughs> got a Colin Pickery and sent this angry pig. I thought he was funny, but he's killed six jaguars. <laughs> Why do we have Jaguar? The sitcom! <laughs> well, coming up next, Colin and the Jaguars. <laughs> There's too many Jaguars. <laughs> the nursery rhyme was originally Colored Peccary, Doc. Shall I shut up now? I'll shut up now. Uh, the zoo is a wonderful holiday destination for any school holidays. I just want to know, is there an American holiday destination that you have been to or would love to go and visit for a holiday? You know, I've never been to the States. Really? Yeah, no, so I, I guess find... America is the place I would like to go to. Okay. Yeah. Do you genuinely like to, would like to go there? Yeah, no, no, I really would. I really would, but right. I haven't been. Okay, right. What about you, Roland? Is there a... Um, I have also not gone to the United States, oh. but I would like to go down south and see all the weird people. They're <laughs> 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 like, well, we got my banjo. It's got a gun inside it. <laughs> And I use it to cut down trees. <laughs> How accurate. Now, uh, what about you, Matt? If I were rich, I'd quit my job and go on every single roller coaster in America. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Great idea. And Scott? I was talking to my friend who's actually going to America quite uh, soon, and we were talking about uh, places that we want to, that are interesting in America. And there's a, a Google Maps about Weed America, which is just all on the uh, east coast, up the, <laughs> the northeast. And you've got places like uh, where H.P. Lovecraft said his stuff, and you've got where the Salem witch, cra- witch trials happened. And right in the middle of it is Maine and the town where Murder, She Wrote was set. <gasps> yeah. yeah, let's go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all I'm picturing now is just all the, like there's a big convention and everyone dressed as Angela Lansbury goes there once a year. Hottest thing ever. <laughs> there'd, be nowhere to, there'd be nowhere to tie up your bike. It'd be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> just, come, just go to the bathroom and come back and everyone's been stabbed. <laughs> We're relying on you. Really? <laughs> Our final speaker is Roland Lewis, representing mathematics, to present on the theme of the United States of America. Uh, Roland, your time begins then. Okay. Now, the NRA <coughs> was founded November 17, 1981, by William C. Church and George W. Wingate. Um, the NRA's primary mission is devoted to protecting the right to keep and bear arms. Now, you may be wondering what this has to do with our theme. Um, Well, the NRA is considered by many to be the most influential group in the US. Uh, Therefore, it's reasonable to say that um, what the NRA holds dear is what the USA holds dear. Um, You may still be wondering how this relates to mathematics. Um, Well, it's very simple. It's the most famous and influential pronumeral X. Um, X is the crosshairs in their guns. X is the execution of animals and, as we all know, uh, humans. X is the number of deaths caused by the guns the NRA holds so dear. And if we've learned anything from Halliburton, it's that death equals money. Uh, And so we're left with the simplest of graphical equations where X equals money. Um, Now, USA is the capitalistic mecca of our world and capitalism, more than anything else, represents money. Uh, So it stands to reason that death equals USA. Ladies and gentlemen, Roland Lewis. Wow, that was that was a really grim mass. Heavy. Uh, I believe uh, I, I believe there's going to be an angry newspaper saying, you know, mm. uh, whose side are you on, grain of truth? Uh, so, uh, now there's a uh, number that 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 worked better in my head. Now. Um, Uh, There's a number of particularly famous mathematicians, but generally famous people in America as well. Is there anyone you'd really like to meet? If you've got an opportunity to meet a famous uh, person from America, who would it be, Roland? Oh, well, uh, Scarlett Johansson, top of my list. Really? Uh, Yeah, in in Japan, (laughs) where we both don't speak Japanese and we're, we're stuck in this hotel together. Oh, <laughs> and lost in translation. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say, oh, it's, it's a reference. Oh, reference. Okay. Oh, I fell in love with her in that movie. You know when you see movies and there's someone and you're just like, oh my gosh, I've fallen in love. I think I might move to America and see if we can have a relationship. Does that happen to anyone else or is that just me? <laughs> so there was actually a Frenchman who decided to do that and he, <laughs> Scarlett Johansson sued him. <laughs> he wrote a book about his imaginary sex life with Scarlett Johansson. Wow. And by Frenchman, do you mean Roland? Well, that's the end of the round, so it's time for a score update from the Boffins. Boffins. At the end of that round, according to the Grain of Truth bounty hunter, Scott is in the lead by letting the adorable monster go. Oh. Oh. He kills children! Just them up! Is that, did that monster go on to become uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber? Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> uh, the next round is the analysis and application round. Our panel is divided into teams of two and must apply their skills to an application task. So we're starting with Matt and Scott. Oh, 
And I'll be challenging you to be an over-the-top current affairs program or even a tabloid newspaper to describe the following historical events. Uh, so the historical event that I want you to be the maximum tabloid newspaper. That maximum, you're maximum, maximum tabloid. tabloid. Uh, the 1969 man walks on the moon. So 1969 man walks on the moon. I want you to be my maximum tabloid. When you're ready, away you go. Okay, we got a man walking on the moon, but who's he going there to sleep with? That's the question. <laughs> Trespassing, leaving. Trespassing, his, yeah. Taking our moon dust and our craters, moon and leaving dust. behind our, 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 our rubbish and everything, claiming parts of the world that aren't even their own. What's what? What for the people who live there already? What for nice moon values? All right, yeah, we got to sell it to the moon values people. What this Buzz Aldrin? You know, what's his story? Buzz, that sounds like a violent name. Is he a criminal? Has he has he <laughs> used a buzz saw to kill people? Is he killing the moon people? What's what's wrong with walking around on? where he's from. He's got giant steps. Giant steps. Take normal steps, damn it, Buzz, if that is your real name. Is that his real name? (laughs) I doubt it very much. Fantastic. What about uh, if you could be a a tabloid newspaper for the introduction of Merino sheep to Australia in 1797? (laughs) So the introduction of Merino sheep to Australia, 1797B, is maximum tabloid. All right, I've been thinking of this for the headline. Wolves in sheep's clothing, question mark, question mark. Question mark. Oh, I say that's pretty hot stuff. Are you sure you don't want an exclamation mark in there somewhere? Right. Don't increase the emphasis. All right, we'll These go. are the merino sheep. Wolves, exclamation mark, open brackets, in sheep's clothing, question mark, question mark, question mark, close brackets. Is there something to be said for a semicolon? <laughs> These are merino sheep. This is nothing. We already have the, okay, the okay. cuddly koala bear. Wolves, exclamation mark, open brackets, in sheep's Colon, clothing, question mark, question mark, question mark, close bracket. As in a colon or a sheep's colon? <laughs> no, no, I, well, how about a semicolon? <laughs> That's so All right. Print, print. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt and Scott. Um, Nussie and Roland, I'm challenging you, I wish to challenge you to explain why there's no such thing as these following items. Mm. So, yeah, there's absolutely no such thing as these following items. Uh, can you explain to me why there's no such thing as lawyers? <laughs> um, they're actually a, a, a subsection of uh, society that have, have named themselves. And everyone knows that when you name yourself, it's, it's not officially a thing. No, no, I mean, I call myself captain all the time and no one else does. <laughs> yeah, so you're not actually a captain. Exactly. See, lawyer, lawyers were born out of the judicial system. So judges are real um, and, and criminals are real, uh, but we, people were finding it hard for... Cri- judges and criminals were finding it hard to talk to each other. They don't speak the same language. So these people that had a lot of money and dressed, you know, quite well, if you like yeah, that kind of thing. Usually in suits. Usually in suits. Hmm. Uh, were kind of floating around the, the courthouse because that was like the cool place to be Yeah, yeah. Um, in Melbourne. And um, yeah. yeah, they started calling themselves lawyers. Yeah. Which, and, I mean, and and you could tell it's a made-up name. They, it's yeah. got the word law in it. Like, of course. Yeah. Oh, we, we work with the law. <laughs> Let's call we're ourselves lawyers. Lawyers, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so, actually, they're really just cooks uh, with nice suits <laughs> uh, or accountants who also uh, have nice suits. Or maybe just suit makers. Just, <laughs> just trying to be cool. Yeah. Just trying to be cool. What, uh, can you tell me why there's no such thing as muffins? <laughs> why there's no such thing as muffins? Look... Your cake products sometimes get a bad rap, right? Like, you know, there's, I mean, there's just a lot of them. 
You've got your tea cakes, they're a bit drier. Mm, yeah. You know, you've got your layer cakes, things like that. You've got your sponge cakes. You, yeah, you've got lots of different things. You've got your cupcakes. Mm, yeah. You don't actually have muffins. No. Muffins are just like overexcited cupcakes. <laughs> That's it. Muff- muffins are just cupcakes that couldn't stay inside their little cupcake cup. They're yeah? re- rebel cupcakes. They're like, oh. <laughs> I mean, I, they, they, they took on a bit too much flour, maybe a bit too much yeast, sometimes pumpkins or seeds, and everyone's like, I don't like that cupcake. Yeah. And they're like, and I'm like, not a cupcake. I'm a muffin. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. not. Cupcakes. Yeah, yeah, they, they do. Mind. They're whiny. <laughs> whiny, uh, oversized cupcakes. Fabulous. Uh, can you, and finally, can you tell me why there's no such thing as Bert Newton? <laughs> <laughs> because that? have you seen the photos of him? Yeah, it's actually... No way that's real. They're photos of the moon. Let's go on nothing, Roland! Put the moon in a suit. There you go. Put the moon in a suit. Oh, lovely. We'll get Bert Newton to comment on Buzz Aldrin about why they hate each other. Why is Bert Aldrin walking around on his head? I don't know. Uh, well, that's at the end of the round, so it's back over to the Boffins for a score update. Boffins! Yes, thank you, David. According to the Grain of Truth Linguistics Department, Matt has taken the lead with an Oxford comma. Yeah. That's nice, good, comma, and good. <laughs> Very good. (laughs) (laughs) Maximum good. Maximum good. Uh, Our next round is called And Sold. The panel members are in a boardroom and have to come up with a new and improved version of an existing product. Uh, Nussie, you'll be our CEO of this boardroom. Captain Nussie. Captain Nussie. Captain Nussie, (laughs) you are our CEO. Scott, you are the technical boffin. Uh, Roland, you're the ideas man. Got it. And Matt, you're in marketing. Marketing? Why am I what? <laughs> and what you need to do is come up with a new and improved version of ties. I need what is the new and improved version of ties? Uh, starting with uh, you, Nuss. All right, uh, thanks for coming to this emergency meeting, guys. Yeah, uh, much, yeah. I know it's late and we've all got families, but look, let's get the red rooster in. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we know that you live here. Um, <laughs> the thing is, guys, people have been wearing ties for a really long time. Just recently found out we need to do something new. Yeah, Roland? you know, it's like, it's like people were wearing socks, like, up until, like, the year 2010. I mean, they, they stopped wearing them, I and nobody cares anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's time for the tie to go. No, it's no, like, no, we can't, we, we can't get rid of the ties. It's like, we, we need to improve on the tie. Tie, yeah. the next generation. Oh, my God, have you listened to yourself, Grandpa? Oh, my God. How, how are you going to evolve into the future if you're not going to try out, for example, <laughs> scarves or maybe, you know, a, a, a choker? Okay, guys, I think what we need to accept is that we're all correct. <laughs> <laughs> but that I'm probably more so. Roland, you're our ideas man. Yeah. What's your new imagining of the tie? Um, so I've got a got a few things to canvas. I've been going uh, off in different directions. First of all, the uh, the tie that goes up, not down. Also, uh, an up tie. Sorry, uh, uh, is Scott? Is that possible at all? I, I think we could do it if we if we used a superconductor, then we could create a localized gravitational field. <laughs> yeah. It would probably cost about four hundred and fifty thousand dollars per tie. <laughs> Oh my god, right. I'm already excited. It's like Matt, the, it's we... got lots of pops, got lots of sizzle, it's got lots of ha. Huh. It's then got the ha. Huh. Do you think it would be worth the investment? Will we be able to get, get that back? Oh no problem. It's like I know, I know at least three or four people who are friends of mine who have got, you know, that much money and like ties that go up. I mean, you know, the number of t- <laughs> number of times I have to lift them like to wipe away I don't know, the nose. Yeah. 
great. It's great. I love it. I love it. Right. All right, Roland, what else? Um, I've also, uh, skinny ties have been all the rage lately, uh, so I, I've thought like extra wide ties, shoulder, like, like shoulder to shoulder. Shoulder to shoulder ties? Yeah, shoulder to shoulder, shoulder ties. ties. Right, would you go further than the shoulder or just stop at the shoulder? We, oh, we, we can go further. We can go shoulder to shoulder with the people standing next to you. Like. Oh my God, it's nice. like, it's like I, I totally hear what you're saying and I'm thinking, why don't you go even further and get to like the spinal column? They're that wide that they go all the way around. Spine to spine. There is actually a rigid polymer blend that the, uh, the US military have been using uh, <laughs> For, for paragliding, that we could we could purpose that for ties, so they could actually self-sustaining ties up to three to five meters line. Three Just to five meters, I like that. Write yeah. that down. Write that down. Write that down. And uh, Matt, what kind of people do you think would be wearing that kind of tie? Oh my God! Like who wouldn't be wearing that tie? I mean, it is the new thing. I mean, it's it's perfect for, for example, mothers, swimmers, triathlons. We we do we do need to get into the mother tie market. <laughs> we do, especially mums who are triathletes. I mean, it's it's a really untapped market. It's, it's a lots of potential. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And. And Roland, do you have a final idea for us? Yeah, I was thinking of uh, Thai, like the Thai country, like, like maybe thai, going thai with Thai ties. So Taiwanese ties or Thai ties. So Th- sorry, Thailand or Taiwan? Ta- I feel like. uh, both, both, because they've got Thai in them. They both have Thai. <laughs> right. Taiwan and Thailand. So you could have like, like uh, nasi goreng Thai, or you could have some other Taiwanese food Thai, which... I, look, I'm, I'm just the ideas guy. Great. All right. No, I love it. So, Matt, how do we stop that from being racist? <laughs> like this, well, uh, is my tie racist? Like, is my shirt racist? I mean, like, because I wear shoe, if I go to, like, shoe in Poland, does that make me a racist? No. Okay. So, I guess the question is, Scott, are we able to up the attitude? Because apparently that's how we're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> look, I think we can do it by a series of drugs that are administered to the general population through infecting the, the water supply. And then they should be fine. Uh, no one should notice that we're being incredibly racist because they'll be fixated on ties. I think that's win-win, actually. Actually, I think you're better off uh, affecting the craft beer. Nobody's drinking water these days. No one's drinking water. God, Grandpa. Guys, I think this was the best meeting we've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) We nailed it. And so... And at the end of that round, it's time for a points update from the Boffins. Boffins. According to the Grain of Truth Super Collider, Captain Nelsie has taken the lead by finally recreating the Big Bang. Yay! Finally. That finally. Bloody time. I've been working on that. Take you so long. Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's okay. We still love you. She keeps it in her purse. It's really heavy. (laughs) Who would have thought hydrogen was so dense? Now, science. Now, before we find out who won today's show, it's now time to reveal the answer to our Grain of Truth connection challenge. Firstly, did anyone on the panel get the connection between music, monsters, the zoo, and mathematics? Surely Barney the dinosaur has something to do with it. Okay, why has Barney the dinosaur got to do with it? Songs he probably would have been in a zoo if he had been free in America. And (laughs) two plus two is four. (laughs) Is it is it the Grug musical? <laughs> the Grug musical. Go on. <laughs> I saw I saw posters outside the the art center, and it's like it's like Grug the musical, and it's like uh, it's got music and I assume Grug some kind of ogre that eats children. Uh, I didn't read it as a child, and um, I assume that they've got squirrels from the zoo, and that's why you've got none left. That's probably where they went. Buying tickets cost money and involves counting. <laughs> yeah. Does hang on? Does Grug eat children? Yeah, Grug eats children. What the? 
I'm pretty sure Grug eats children. Didn't you say you didn't read it? (laughs) Yeah, but I'm still pretty sure that Grug eats children. (laughs) That explains why there's no children in any of the books. (laughs) Gosh, as a mother, I hope out there there's a children's book about a monster that eats children. That would be reassuring at bedtime. I was about to say, I'm sure it was written by Roald Dahl. (laughs) BFG eats children. Uh, Yeah, I think so. No, the BFG doesn't eat children. Charlie and the Chocolate They eat snozcumbers. In Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, they make the chocolate out of children as well. I'm pretty sure. That was the original draft. Uh, Uh, That was the original draft. But anyway, sorry, but back to the program. Anyone else got a connection? No? Uh, Well, the connection I had was chickens. Uh, Of course. Chickens was the connection. At the Maryland Zoo, they have a wide variety of Gallus Gallus Domesticus, which is not an ad for Franco Cozzo, but rather (laughs) the domestic chicken. What party music album would not be complete without the chicken dance? Uh Uh, Now, according to the the BBC, chickens can do maths. In a Royal Society paper published on the 26th of May 2009, Rugani et al. conducted experiments that determined that three-day-old chickens can tell the difference between different numbers of things and have managed to do basic addition and subtraction using doors and some table tennis balls. So there we go. Um, It just goes to show that anyone can do it. Uh, Three-day-old chickens can. Anyone can. I suddenly feel very inferior. (laughs) (laughs) There are legends of the Chicken Man as an infamous oh, yeah. humanoid monster that was birthed approximately 270 years ago to a 28-year-old German woman named Johanna Sophia Schmeid. Uh, it did not live after birth and is theorised that it was an extreme gestation abnormality, but the website I consulted would then go on to say that the father was a reptoid and I was really unsure whether or not it was satire, but then again the author did mention that they claimed to be a science mystic. So, uh, who knows? We can only hope it's satire. What I love about that answer is no, there's no obvious connection to any of the four. Like, you have to explain yeah. all of it. Yeah. Like, chickens. Oh, that clearly connects to music and monsters and the zoo and maths. Mm. I, I, no. I, oh, that's what's good. No, I was saying that's what I liked about it, that it that came out harsh, of nowhere. Nussie. Captain Nussie's a harsh mistress. She, that's, that's how, how, that's how you get to become captain. captain. <laughs> Why don't you just have a song that goes, How many chickens in the monster zoo? (laughs) (laughs) How many chickens in the monster zoo? Why don't we count them all? (laughs) It's a hit. There we go. You win. I like the fact that you did your most, I'm sorry, sir, pose after you came up with this song. Uh, Well, anyway, that was the connection challenge. So, Boffins, could you determine from your working out who has won the John Hancock? I can indeed. Our overall winner today is Matt Hadgraff. And what you got to do with your John Hancock, Matt? I've already got one. Oh. Probably pop it on eBay. You know. oh, but, but now with the power of the John Hancock. Use responsibly. I'll teach him the chicken song, I don't know. Uh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> he can do the illustrations. That's the end of the program, and I hope you enjoyed it. You can come and see the recording on the first day of the month at 1pm at the Wesley Hanna website. It's www.creativetruth.com.au. Thank you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash creativetruthshow, and on Twitter at creativetruths. And that leaves me to thank our panel by the Adcroft, Scott McAteer, Michelle Nussi, and Roland Lewis. I'm off of the week, Brendan Jelly. The music composed by Matthew Adcroft, the Red Ride, Michael Bell, Morris Studios, our logo designer, Tom Markovich, our sound restorer, Harvey Petit, our properties manager, Seth Dresser, and provincial fund manager, Asher Cameron. I've been you, the Wesley Hanna. I've been your host, Evidence of a Splendid Day. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a pig in a coach production. <laughs> 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 <laughs>